Welcome to season four of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. We are excited about this season's guest, and you can learn more about our guests in this new season and previous seasons at jatwwilliams.com/podcast. Did you know Jat is an author too? You can learn more from Jat through his book called The Question: A Guide to Answering Life's Most Important Question, as he shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide all aspects of his life. You can learn more about the question on Jat's website too at jatwwilliams.com. Now let's listen to an all-new episode of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. Well, welcome to our fourth season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back with us again. And if you're a first-time listener, uh, welcome, and we hope that you enjoy today's podcast and will join us again next week. Well, our guest today is Joe Hamilton. I, I'm excited to have probably the, the greatest quarterback in Georgia Tech history joining us today. Joe's accomplishments on the field are really too numerous to list, but I'm going to kind of share some of the highlights. He set the uh, ACC career record for total yards, TD passes, and total TDs when he finished uh, his career in 1999. He earned ACC Player of the Year honors. He was MVP in three bowl games, NCAA Quarterback of the Year, and was a consensus All-American. Joe also won the Davey O'Brien Award for the top quarterback and finished second in the voting for the Heisman. He's a member of the Georgia Tech Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. Despite being a little bit undersized by pro standards, Joe was able to play several years in the NFL and was a member of the Tampa Bay Super Bowl championship team. Joe currently is one of the hosts on the popular locker room radio show in Atlanta and is the color analyst for Georgia Tech football. Uh, Joe's also in uh, demand as a speaker. Well, Joe, it's a privilege to have a, a fellow Tech quarterback join us. The, the only thing that Joe and I have in common uh, were that we were both starting quarterbacks that uh, on Georgia Tech teams that beat Georgia two years in a row. But other than that, my my high school second team all-county recognition doesn't quite match up to Joe's bio. Uh, but Joe, welcome to, to our podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jack. Um, I got a little bit of chills going down my arm and my legs now when you talk about uh, beating those uh, Bulldogs our last two years. Those were some exciting times, and uh, hopefully soon our coach, our head coach, Brett Key, can get us back to those glory days because it sure feels good to have that governor's trophy for one year as far as being a state champion in Georgia from beating those Bulldogs. Well, it's uh, like I say, we've, we've, your, your team and my team did it two years in a row, and that hadn't happened very often. But I'm like you. I hope that uh, we can return return to that. Well, let's, let's talk about your time at Tech. You were on three bowl teams. You were selected MVP in each of those games. Tell us what you remember most about those games. Well, uh, I remember the first one, the Conquest Bowl. I remember that vividly because there had been a stretch uh, since 1990 when Tech uh, won the national championship. Uh, the next bowl they went to was 1991. And from 1991 all the way to 1997, uh, Tech had been bowlless. And that particular year was so, so, so gratifying to go through a season, win a few games, and end up going to the Conquest Bowl and starting the streak, starting the streak of, I think, uh, maybe 18 straight bowl games that the Yellow Jackets went to. Uh, I remember getting MVP of the Conquest Bowl, playing against Mark Bolger, Amos Zaraway. I think Jerry Porter was the wide receiver. They had a pretty good team, but I was just so excited just to, you know, kind of lead our team or lead the team that I was quarterbacking on to a, 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 a 
a bowl game victory. And it's always good uh, because my last bowl game in the Gator Bowl, we didn't win. Uh, so either it's the national championship or whether it's the national championship or what bowl you go to, you want to always end your season with a win. And I remember the set, uh, the first car quest bowl against Notre Dame. And I remember that because my only, my one and only catch as a quarterback in uh, the history, my history of playing college football for the Yellow Jackets was a touchdown against uh, Notre Dame. 48 toss, throw back to the quarterback down the goal line, and I caught a touchdown, my first and ever touchdown I've caught in my whole entire career. So that was very, very gratifying. And also, I remember that I, myself specifically, said that Ralph Friedgen, uh, the offensive coordinator for us, for me, that means a lot to me, I think he won that game as far as his preparation and the play calling and keeping Notre Dame off balance. Every play we ran, it seemed to work. Uh, they didn't have a clue what we were doing, and uh, he really prepared us well to win that. So going to three straight bowl games and starting a streak that lasted for a long time really means a lot to me. Well, you and I had similar games against Notre Dame. You you caught a touchdown for a pass, and unfortunately, uh, against Joe Theismann, when I was playing against him, I threw three interceptions and uh, made two tackles as a quarterback, which, as you know, neither one of those statistics are too uh, positive for a quarterback. So you had a little better, little better success than I did against him. Let, let's talk a minute. You mentioned about Ralph Regan. Um, you had a chance to play for, for George O'Leary and Ralph Regan when he was the offensive coordinator, and those two – Guys are pretty intense, no no nonsense dudes. Share some of the uh, experiences you had playing with those guys. Uh, well, uh, first and foremost, uh, Coach Ralph Friesen. I started as a redshirt freshman in 1996. Uh, uh, that was Coach Watson as offensive coordinator. Didn't do particularly well. Uh, then Coach Friesen came in from San Diego the next year, 1997. And simply put, he said, you're a pretty good quarterback. I want you to still be aggressive and keep the great plays that you're making and the good plays. We have to find a way to eliminate the bad plays. I think as a freshman, I was seven. I had seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions, and that just cannot work as a quarterback. And he cleaned some things up. He simplified things. He was an all-ball coach. He loved ball. He loved my family, my parents. Um, he loved talking ball. He cared about me as a guy, as a student athlete, and he made, making sure I got my education. And I'm telling you, he did not treat me any differently than he treated anybody else. Um, he was one of those guys that he wouldn't get mad at you. He would say, I'm very, very disappointed in you. And anytime somebody gets disappointed, it really means that you hurt them, that they didn't believe or they didn't think you can quite make some of those mistakes. And I, I absolutely remember we were playing Clemson um, on Monday night, I mean, on Thursday night. And I threw a ball across the field, which is a no-no for a quarterback like you know. I rolling right and threw it back across the field, and I think it was intercepted or maybe tipped. And he basically met me between the hashes and started to chew me out. I mean, all kind of, you know, expletives. And as always, all coordinators are going to ask you, hey, what did you see? What did you see? And you had better tell that, that offensive coordinator that you saw something. And what you saw had better be correct, especially, you know, being a junior. when I was a junior when he chewed me out and uh, I wasn't able to tell him that. And he really pitched a fit. And I remember my mom or my grandma, when I got back to the room, called me and said, what was that coach telling you? What was that coach telling you? I just said, hey, I made a mistake and uh, I don't supposed to do what I did on that particular play. Uh, but he's a great, great friend of mine now. We talk probably once or twice a month. Uh, and I love him to death. And Coach George O'Leary, one quick story, not to gloss over him. 
uh, I remember one practice that he chewed me out. He got all over me, and I didn't understand why. You know, I've always told the coaches, when you coaching me, I'm listening, but when you're using some language that, you know, some people would you would think that it's a little bit disrespectful, I'm not particularly listening to you. I'm just going to move on and say, yes, sir, and, you know, uh, take what I need to take from it and leave everything else out of it. But anyway, he did that, and I took it, and we rallied. We had a good practice, and we got back to the uh, uh, to, to the child hall, and he called me in his office, and he said, hey, man, I want to I say thank you. I want to say thank you. I said, Coach, thank you for what? What are you thanking me for? He said, because I used you today, man. You're one of my best players, and everybody respects you, and if I can get down on you the way I got down on you today, uh, they know, everybody on this team knows that everybody is accessible, nobody is privileged, and that I'm not having preferential treatment to anybody. So thank you, thank, thank you for allowing me to you treat you the way I treated you in the practice field. That goes a long ways for me being able to coach this team. We, we laugh about it to this day about that, and I was like, Coach, you remember the time that you chewed me out, and I'm looking at you in your eyes like, hey, what did I do? I just completed a pass. I mean, I, I, we had a false start. I think, or maybe a, you know, a fumble snap, and he just sought me out and started chewing me out. And me just being a respectful player and just wanted to listen to coach because coaches are always a coach to me no matter what. Uh, even if I have a friend now that even Coach Key, even Brent, all before he got to be a head coach, I would say, hey, Brent or Key, what's up? But from now on, when I address him, it's going to be Coach Key because I've always felt that or had that respect for coaches. And I was looking at Coach O'Leary like, man, you're getting on me, but it's not my fault. Uh, but he was able to acknowledge right after, maybe about 30, 45 minutes after practice ended, he called me in his office and he said, hey, man, you're going to allow me to do a lot of things with this team because uh, for them to see how I chewed you out and you accepted it, nobody's bigger than the team. That that showed me a little glimpse into uh, uh, his forward thinking. He, he always had a plan, didn't he? Yes, he did. Absolutely, he did. You know, you talk about the coach saying, what did you see? True story. I, I had one of those episodes where I made a bad mistake and and the coach asked me, as I was coming off the field, what did I see? And I said, I saw you getting ready to chew my butt out as soon as I came over to the sideline. <laughs> That's what I saw. <laughs> so at least it got him to laugh for a second. You know, you were you were undersized as a as a quarterback uh, in, in some people's minds. And yet, you know, you accomplished so much in your career and you got the ultimate there with the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, what what was your secret? What do you attribute your success to? Well, um, the ability to learn. The ability and the want to as far as getting better each and every time out there on the football field. I always challenged myself that uh, I don't want the game plan. I don't want the play calling to change because I'm in there. Coach, if you want to call a play, you think a play can be successful against a defense, call it. I'll work on it. If you think a linebacker is in the middle of the field and I can't throw that post to the tight end right over the outstretched hands of a, you know, you know, a linebacker that's dropping, call it and let me work on it. I don't want to have any weaknesses of your play calling ability. I'm going to work on it, work on it, and I'm going to get good at what you want to call. And one thing about being a quarterback, I, I think I'm very competitive. Uh, I had the ability to, to, to be mentored and coached by some really, really good coaches, uh, especially Coach Friesen, because of the way he taught, uh, simplified. He told you why things were happening. And I found lanes, to be honest with you, Jack. I mean, if you can look at some NFL games and even some college games, you see six, four, six, three, six, five quarterbacks getting the balls batted down because yeah. the average quarterback is taller than an offensive lineman. So everybody's going to have to find lanes. And I think my number one attribute in the passing game was 
that I anticipated very, very well. I wasn't staring down uh, wide receivers. I was staring down. I was trusting my wide receivers to be where they needed to be, uh, whether you're running a skinny post or a curl. I know your depth because we work every single day. My well, it certainly won't work out. Yes. Whoever my read is, I'm going to actually go there and uh, make sure that I'm going to the right spot. But I never had a problem with my size. That's why I always wanted the opportunity to be in a competition. And that's why I'm so grateful for George O'Leary because when he came in my room, my living room, uh, doing recruiting, uh, when Penn State uh, was recruiting me heavily and I didn't think they were going to allow me to play for quarterback, uh, Clemson, when they were recruiting me, they would not take athlete off of the board. Uh, when I begged them to say, hey, at least put quarterback beside my name when I see it in the magazines and you guys talk about me, please say quarterback because that's what I want to play. But Coach George O'Leary said, you're going to come in, you will be a quarterback, and you will compete, and I'll give you a chance to do that. And that's exactly what he did in my wretched freshman year with uh, Brandon Shaw and I. We had a complete co uh, quarterback competition. Uh, I thought it was fair. Brandon thought it was fair. We're good friends now. And uh, I, I think, you know, just being a competitor, uh, if somebody said you can't, show them that you can and go out there and trust your teammates and try to be a good leader. Well, it certainly worked out for you and for Georgia Tech. You know, you had the distinction of uh, going to New York for the announcement of the Heisman Award, the highest award for any college football player. Unfortunately, you, you came in second to a guy from Wisconsin, Ron Dane, who a lot of people thought you should have had a recount on that one, but but uh, <laughs> he had a great year, but we didn't think it was near as good as yours. But tell us about that experience, being in New York uh, with, you know, what that means and, and being there for the most prestigious college award in uh, or award in college football. A great, great, great feeling, Jack. I'm talking about just, uh, you know, blessed, uh, overwhelmed. Uh, you pinch yourself, you know, where am I? We are going where? From Alvin, South Carolina, with a population of about 700 people, uh, to dreaming, dreaming about uh, playing college football, yes. Winning a national championship, yes. Uh, winning an ACC championship, yes. But very seldom you think about individual awards. I never, ever thought about the Heisman Trophy until Allison George uh, from the SID department down at Georgia Tech. They made a CD, Promote Me for the Heisman. And I'm looking at myself and, you know, all the accolades and, all the fanfare and ESPN and Sports Illustrated wanted to do a special. And all of a sudden, the Heisman finalists were named and uh, you're going to New York and your mom and dad can come as well. And to have that trip and to experience uh, all the former Heisman Trophy winners uh, there, to the, the meet you, some of your heroes and Tony Dorsett, uh, Marcus Allen, uh, Doug Flutie. I mean, it was just Roger Starbuck. I mean, it was just overwhelmed. And it didn't take you down on a bus with all those Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, uh, down with Rockefeller and tour of New York, uh, going to the ESPN zone. And I would be remiss uh, for not telling you the fact that it was Chad Pennington, Michael Vick, Drew Brees, those other quarterbacks to be able to just unite and build a, a longtime friendship with those guys. Unbelievable. And you said, Jack, un unfortunately, that I, I came in second. And yes, I did. No doubt about that. But that experience, you can tell me right now, uh, even before going to New York, Joe, you're going to get invited to New York. And we're going to allow you to come there, but you're not going to win. Man, I'm going 10 out of 10 times. That experience that I got down there, the way the, amongst the football greats and the, the icons uh, and, and the way they treated it in the fellowship, I would go back 10 out of 10 times just and knowing that I'm not going to win because of the experience. And I'll tell you this, our, our group or our, our finalists, 
uh, when Ron Dane won in 99, 1999, that was the last ceremony that he had that they had at the downtown athletic club. Yeah. You know, for years, that's what they had it at the athletic club. And that was the last year they had it there. And the next year, I think they moved it somewhere else in New York. Well, any, anybody that gets invited as a finalist, as a winner, is just, uh, unfortunately, one person just gets to have the trophy. Just think, if if you'd actually won it that year, you could have been on some of those Nissan Heisman commercials. Now, I do think about that, Jack. I do think about that. I look at that and I look at Ron Day and I look at some of the winners and me, and I'm like, hey, man, that can boost my acting skills. That can give me some more notoriety. I can meet some more of the greats and some of the incoming Heisman Trophy winners. That would have been a joy, a, a dream come true. And I think I would have a lot of fun doing that. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> you could have you could have shown told some of those host co-hosts on the on your radio show. So listen, I'm gonna have to take this week off. I gotta film a bunch of commercials up in New York. Just put them down a little bit. Well, let's talk about that yes. just for a second. Um, how did you get into the media world? Uh, by chance, by playing football, uh, by being in the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, no doubt about it, uh, by my name and what I did on the flats. Uh, I, uh, the program director now, Matt Egger, he was just trying to catch up with me, Jack. He was just trying to catch up. Uh, I was training quarterbacks. I had you know been a player personnel with Georgia Tech. And he was just trying to check up and said if I wanted to come in, if I had some time to come in and sit in a segment, uh, they would like to, you know, you know, check up on me, see what I'm doing now, uh, what I have going on. And in that particular segment, we, we also talked about some different things sports related. And Steak Shapiro, who was, you know, on the show, uh, on, on the front row then, and uh, Sandra Golden and Brian Finner, and, um, they said, hey, can you stay another segment? And boy, they said, this is fun. And then Steak Shapiro went and had a throat problem where I had his tonsils removed. And they invited me back to sit in or fill in. And all of a sudden, they really liked the job that I was doing, the insight, the information, the ability to uh, talk sports, and especially football and basketball as well. And uh, we started off on the Sports X, uh, David Dickey, the owner, um, decided to uh, start you know, a different company. They were a home team, and I went on and had the home team in Hamilton show. And from there, uh, it just it happened. It happened so quickly, and I'm so grateful for it, and I'm blessed. I mean, it's, this is something that I didn't do an interview for. I wasn't thinking about getting the radio, uh, but it's something that's just like football and just like sports to me. I don't call it work. I'm going to watch the games anyway. I'm going to dissect it anyway. And uh, then you get a chance to entertain or infotain your audience in doing so. It's just a dream, not a dream because I didn't dream of it. It's just a, you know, a match made in heaven as far as how you're going to kind of ride off and keep it going. Because me, I'm looking at myself and what the good Lord has blessed me with and the attributes and the accolades and the lifestyle. I'm wondering, you know, how do I give back? Or what do you want me to do with everything that you've given me? And I think this is a way to kind of give back, meet more people and uh, try to be of service to everybody else. Well, you're doing a great job. Uh, it was a good, certainly a good hire on their part. You know, this this past year also was your first year doing the becoming the color analyst for Georgia Tech football. Most people probably think that's a pretty easy gig. You know, you show up, watch the game, share what you see. But we know that's not the case. Walk us through a little bit how you prepare during the week to be ready to, to do the color job on the uh, game day. Well, um, uh, first and foremost, I go back and I listen to uh, Andy Demetra and I, uh, I listen to our broadcast. I listen to our call of the of the previous game. I probably do that uh, Sunday night or maybe Monday after the show. About you know Monday afternoon, I listen to how we sound. Try to critique myself a little bit. I have a very visual memory as far as I know the plays that we're talking about. I can recite a lot of plays that I played 
at Georgia Tech that I can probably recite a few games and call Eddie play in a game just off of memory. Uh, but I make sure I, you know, see how it flows and making sure I'm not crossing them up or talking over to him at the inside, not using too many words at the same time. I go back and I watch film of Georgia Tech and get to know some of the players and their tendencies, uh, the weaknesses of the secondary and uh, the running back or maybe the off offensive line. I want to know Georgia Tech in and out. And about Wednesday, then I started, I start preparing for the other team. I go back three games in, uh, our, our, you know, offense, defense, getting some tendencies. I always, I always hone in and try to watch every play that the quarterback plays of the opposing team to get an insight and a feel for how they perform under pressure, doing the blitz, how they handle their teammates in the huddle, get a sense of that to be able to talk about a little bit. Defensively, I'm always intrigued of how the defensive coordinator uh, mixes his defenses up and do different things to confuse. Uh, and, all, and that allows me now on game day when I do that much research of your previous games, if I see something on game day where we're actually calling the game, it'll stick out like a sore thumb that, no, this week is something they put in new because I didn't see that on film. Or that's a wrinkle they put in just to attack this because last week they played a lot of this or they did this. So if you're able to, you know, go off for of your film study and be able to know the changes or, you know, the, the nuances of the schemes that they do on Saturday. Uh, but I tell you, there's not a better view. Now, you're on the field playing and you're on the sideline or maybe in the stands, you miss some things. You don't miss much up there. You don't miss much up there uh, in, in, in the booth watching the game from that point of point of uh, from that perspective. And it's just awesome. It's just awesome going on the road trips, uh, calling the game for your alma mater. I want them to win. You don't want to show too much favoritism, but I'm a yellow jacket through a yellow jacket through and through. And it's just another one of those things that I can talk football. I can I love the science of football and I can explain football. So I, another thing that's a that, that's a match made in heaven. One thing I'm so proud about that, Jack, is the fact that wasn't given. You know, they went through, I think, a six uh, six uh, person interview and test the way we called the game. And uh, we had to call the North Carolina game from last year. And Duke and Andy Demetrio, and they vetted us out. They had a process of hiring uh, the color guy, and I came up on top. I'm not saying that, you know, my accolades didn't play a part in it, but the fact that it, was, it wasn't was just given, uh, you know, boost my courage, boost my courage and, you know, uh, my confidence a little bit that, you know, I was the right guy for the job. Well, I think it was a great combination. Uh, your, your background in tech, obviously, is a big bonus, but uh, as you said, you earned that and and it was demonstrated, you know, in your first year. So uh, I, I enjoyed listening to you. I got one last question for you. You know, we've talked about a lot of the good times, you know, you, you played several years in the NFL as a backup quarterback, uh, one with Tampa when you won the Super Bowl. You know, how was it after, you know, coming out of college, you're a runner up for the Heisman, you, you know, you won the Davey O'Brien Award as a top quarterback, you were all American. And now you got to adjust to, a role of being a backup in the pros instead of a starter. How did you go about that? Um, I went about it uh, in the right way as far as control the controllables. Um, but I have to be transparent, Jack. It was very, very, very hard. And not to say I was better than Brad Johnson, not to say I was better than Sean King. That's not the case. But when you grew up, when you grew up all your life in, in high school, you can wake up and outwork somebody. And then there's a competition and the best man wins. In college, when you can get up and you can outwork somebody and, you know, uh, lift weights and practice and study and get yourself in condition and have a competition, the best man wins. And when I got to my dream, was, which was making it to the NFL, it was no longer that. I can get up at 5 a.m. I can outwork the quarterback. 
I, I can make some good throws. I can be the best leader. But I wasn't going to give the opportunity to compete to win a starting job. The competition was taken from me at that level. The competition was, where were you drafted? The competition was, I'm paying this guy so much amount of, so much amount of money that he's going to play no matter what. And that was the hard part for me dealing with it. The fact that I'm on the team, I'm in the NFL, yes, I won a Super Bowl, but I never really got a chance to compete to be on that football field because it wasn't a competition. I didn't. I don't have any regrets. I can't look myself in the mirror and say I gave it all, I left it all out there, but I don't think I had an opportunity to really compete. And I think that was all about where I was drafted and my size and my statue, the prototypical things they wanted in a quarterback at that point in time. Uh, and I don't have any hatred in my heart at all. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, but the competition was taken away from me a little bit when I made it to the NFL. You know, that's that's a sad situation. And it's, uh, you know, it happened a lot during your era. And it, it seems to be a little bit of a little a little bit of a break now where some guys that are drafted at different positions are getting opportunities. But when they've got long-term contracts and they're making the dollars, the, the, the head coach and owner are going to put them out there. And you know, a lot of people uh, miss out some opportunities that really deserve to play. Well, Joe, listen, it, it was it was great having you with us today. It was also nice selfishly to reflect back to some of Tech football's golden years after suffering through the last three years and looking forward to good times happening again at Tech in the future. And I want to wish you continued success in your media career and, and uh, the great job you do as the color analyst for Tech football. Thanks for being with us. Thanks a lot, Jack, man. Go Jackets. Well, as we wrap up another Knowledge Cast episode, a special thanks to each of you for making us part of your day. I hope that you will join again uh, next week and uh, for another interesting guest like we had with Joe. And until then, make it your goal this week to be a positive influence in the lives of others.